welcome to the High Vibe and Healthy podcast. My name is Fran Dargaville and I'm a functional nutritionist with a passion for gut health and real food. I'm here to share my take on nutrition and health, answer your questions and chat with leading health and wellness experts and all-round inspiring humans. Enjoy this week's episode and submit your questions at frandargaville.com or via my Instagram, frandargaville. This podcast is brought to you by my new program, High Vibe and Gut Healthy. If you're ready to get to the root cause of frustrating gut issues, this program is for you. I have a range of options from an affordable self-study course to a VIP program with a high level of personalized support. Head to frandargaville.com forward slash high vibe to learn more and use the code podcast at checkout to get $50 off any of the program options. Let's get into the episode. Hello, hello, friends. I hope you're doing well. I have an awesome episode for you today. I interviewed Danielle Hively, a functional nutritional therapy practitioner like me, who specializes in drainage protocols, parasite cleansing, mold detoxification, and getting to the root cause of her client's health issues. Today, we're speaking all about drainage and parasites. You may or may not have heard much about parasites before. I've definitely mentioned them here on the podcast, but there is a saying that says, if you have a pulse, you have a parasite, which basically means that we're probably all affected by them to some extent, whether or not they're actually driving the symptoms that you're experiencing. And parasites are really one of those root cause issues that can hold us back from healing. This episode is absolutely awesome. I have no doubt you're going to love it. Let's get into it. Hey, Danielle, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so well. Thank you. I'm so excited to connect with you and chat all about drainage and parasites, which, you know, I've been really interested in lately, but I haven't actually spoken about at all on the podcast. So I'm really excited to have you here talking about it. You are the expert on these things. So I think it's going to be a really, really awesome conversation. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely been a game changer for myself and a lot of people. And I do find that it's it's really kind of the missing piece of the puzzle, you know, for a lot of people on their health journey. So I any opportunity to talk about it, I'm I'm there. I love it. The more people that know, the better. <laughs> yes, I love that. I completely agree. So let's start with chatting about drainage. I think everyone listening is probably really familiar with detoxification now, and that's something that's been thrown around for a long time. But I'm going to guess that most people have not heard of drainage. So what is drainage and how is it different from detoxification? Yeah, no, most people have not heard of drainage. So you're exactly right. So drainage is simply the process that our body uses to move and remove fluid from our body daily. So if you can just think of your organs, your cells, the lymphatic system, that's what our body is doing on a constant basis. So it's simply just moving, removing fluid that doesn't need to be there on a consistent basis. So that is drainage. And detox is specifically going in and grabbing something, whether it's a heavy metal, whether it's a chemical, whether it's a parasite, whether it's a mycotoxin and grabbing that specific element and pulling it out of the body. So detox is when you go after something very specific, 
drainage is simply just supporting the normal systems and normal pathways that are just moving that fluid for you. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really helpful distinction. So why is drainage so important? So drainage is so important because as I just mentioned, if one of our pathways, which I'll dive in in a second, but if one of your drainage pathways becomes stagnant or blocked or slowed, then the rest of the drainage funnel, how we describe it, will also be affected. And so uh, let me just lay this out so the listeners can understand. So we always start with a drainage funnel. So if you just kind of picture a funnel, you know, just something that you either pour liquid or, you know, fine material through, um, at the very bottom is of the funnel is your colon. And so that's where we start. You always want to start at the bottom of the funnel in terms of opening pathways. So when you look at the funnel, you start at the colon and then right above that is going to be your liver and your gallbladder. Right above that is going to be the skin, the kidneys, and the lungs. Above that is going to be your lymphatic system. And then the very top is going to be cells, tissues, organs, and your brain lymphatic system. So that's how the funnel has to work. And so if you can just kind of envision, again, pouring water down that, and let's say the colon is stagnant or blocked. And so at the very bottom of that funnel, we may put a few pebbles. And so as you're pouring water through, it's not going to come out as nicely, right? It's not going to be a freely flowing funnel. It's going to start to drip, or maybe it's just slowed the water itself. Regardless, it's affected that flow of the liquid. And so what happens is just by that one pathway, that colon pathway, by that being blocked, it's going to have this cascading effect and it's going to affect every single system that I listed from the bottom up. And so that's how it works. Um, so that's why it's so, so important, um, especially for all of our daily processes. When you think about the liver and the gallbladder, you know, primary digestive organs, primary functioning organs for our body. If one of those becomes slowed, then you're not going to have good digestion and good bowel movements. And so it really does affect every single thing that we do on a consistent basis. Um, it can lead to, you know, toxicity buildup. Um, it can lead to further disease and illness in the body. And honestly, it's not that hard to open the pathway. So it is a fairly simple process. It's much easier than detox. Um, but it is definitely a piece that is widely forgotten and it's just not, it's just not treated. Um, I think what I've noticed is that a lot of naturopaths are just also not taught about it in school. So I think that, you know, for them, it's not that they're intentionally <laughs> trying to forget it, but they just, they've never truly learned about it. So that is how that works. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is really interesting and really helpful. And I like the idea that there are steps to go through. And especially when we come to talk a lot about these different things like um, parasites, for example, or, you know, you mentioned mycotoxins before and mold and a lot of these, I suppose, more advanced health topics that people that may be experiencing, you know, chronic symptoms and conditions may be starting to look into. And I think often when we start to look into these things, we just want to go straight into addressing those things instead of getting those foundations right with drainage, which as you mentioned, are so, so important. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Drainage is definitely the foundation for a healthy life. You know, we always say stagnation leads to disease and that's really true. You know, anything that is stagnant in the body, you know, we think about our lymphatic system being one of those main places, um, especially for breast cancer, um, because your lymphatic system, you know, one of their primary roles, it's, it's contained and filled with all of your white blood cells. And so one of the primary roles is to grab um, precancerous or damaged, um, you know, just all of those cells that could lead to some type of disease and, and get it out of your body. But if that pathway is stagnant, if it's not moving on a daily basis, you know, that is really how disease develops. Um, our bodies are doing it, you know, it's trying to pull it out, but, you know, we have to make sure that these pathways are completely open um, so that the fluid can leave us, you know, so those toxins can leave. I think a lot of people mistaken you know, the liver, right? We all know it as our main detox organ and surely that is what it does. But I think people have an idea that the liver, I don't know, maybe they think the liver eats toxins or just kind of like dissolves them. That's not at all what happens, you know? So the liver itself has to process the toxins and then it dumps all of those things in bile, which it creates. And then the bile has to leave the liver and go into the stomach. And then you would poop out those toxins. So you know, I think it's also just kind of misinformation, you know, out there that people just truly don't understand, you know, how toxins leave our body. And I think that's, you know, that's a big piece of it too, because knowledge is power, you know, it's cliche quote, but that is the truth. You know, if we all knew these things, then we would certainly be taking steps to make sure these pathways stay open, stay clear. And, you know, it would be regular conversation. I think that it's so, you know, it's still kind of uh, taboo or, oh my gosh, you're talking about pooping and, you know, it's kind of, maybe people think it's inappropriate, but it should be, you know, common conversation. I think it's something that we should start, you know, in elementary school, you know, in grade school where we just, you know, there's no stigma around it. And we're just, we're just talking about it. You know, we just want it to, to be normal conversation because it is normal processes that happen. hundred percent. And yeah, I find often people are embarrassed to speak about these things. Not everyone, but, uh, you know, when clients first come to me and um, then they quickly realize that that is a huge amount of what we are speaking about, because obviously I'm specifically focusing on on gut health and, and digestive function. And that is just huge. So if we don't talk about those things then we're missing a huge part of the puzzle of, of your health and as, as you sort of mentioned, you know, the liver isn't just functioning in isolation. So I think people will say, oh, you know, my, my liver could use some love. I'm just going to support the liver. And then, you know, perhaps they're not having regular bowel movements and, you know, addressing these other pathways as well. And they're just, uh, you know, just putting in one puzzle, puzzle piece and mixing, missing, you know, a huge, huge mm-hmm. part of, of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. That's a great point. I love that. So what are some simple ways that the listeners could get started with supporting drainage? Yeah, so I'll give you, yeah, let's go. We'll kind of walk through each of these pathways and I can, I can give you some tips. So first one is the colon, right? So the very bottom of the funnel, that's where you want to open that first. So ideally want to be pooping twice a day. Um, People may think, that's, that's so frequent, but truly that is, you know, that is how we should be going. Um, so twice a day is the goal. Certainly if you're going once a day, that's good. Um, there's still likely some room for improvement. So for the colon, you definitely want to make sure that you are consuming enough fiber and water throughout the day. 
So in terms of water, always my recommendation is right around half your body weight um, in ounces. And I'm not sure <laughs> that's what we <laughs> use in the States here. So I, I, the equivalent, I'll have to um, metric, metric figure that out. Um, yeah, it's, it's your body weight in kilos divided by kilos. 30. And that's your there liter you intake. So Perfect. it's nice for Perfect. our US listeners to also have... <laughs> something to work with here as well. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah. So definitely making sure that you're staying hydrated. And then I don't know if you tell your clients, but I always have them add a pinch of unrefined sea salt, um, to the water to ensure that the water molecule itself is getting into the cells. So that is, you know, people may be drinking sufficient amounts of water, but they may be missing that piece. And the reason why you want to do that is that the H2O, you know, the actual molecule, when we look at it under a microscope, it does have to bond um, to the minerals um, and or, you know, one of the electrolytes that is in the salt that so that it can physically enter into your cell and hydrate you at a cellular level. Um, our cells are all made of lipid cellular membranes. And so the water, unfortunately, cannot just penetrate through. It does have to make that bond um, in order to enter into the cell. So that is the reason why we have people do that. Um, I really, you know, there's different brands out there that I enjoy, but yeah, so that's, that's a big piece of it. And then fiber, you know, so I always encourage people try your best to get five different colors of veggies on your plate, um, throughout the day, you know, so if you can do like very easy ones are rainbow carrots, rainbow cauliflower, um, you know, you can get three colors in right there. We do a lot of winter squash, butternut squash, spaghetti squash, um, you know, lots of dark leafy greens, you know, so really aiming to get lots of colors on your plate is a really good goal. Um, and those are two really simple things to ensure that, you know, you are having optimal bowel movements, um, aside from, you know, the very specifics, do you have enough stomach acid and, um, you know, do you have enough good gut bacteria and that kind of thing. So even consuming fermented foods is also a good place to start. Um, I really like sauerkraut is great pickles, um, kimchi, you know, all of those are really great options to ensure good, you know, healthy gut microbiome. So that is definitely the goal is having two bowel movements a day. those are some tips that you guys can do. Um, certainly movement is also really important for healthy digestion. So moving your body will also stimulate peristalsis. Um, right up from that, we have the liver and the gallbladder. So as I mentioned earlier, the liver is creating bile for you. However, bile is very expensive to make in our body. Um, it's not an easy process. And so it does get recycled at the very base of the colon. So it is very, very important to have obviously proper liver function so that it can detox all of the toxins we're exposed to on a regular basis and then toxins that you consume, but also it needs to be able to make bile. And so what is bile? Bile is used, as I mentioned, in phase three of what I call liver detox. And that is where your liver will deposit the toxins. It goes into the bile and then from the liver to the gallbladder, they're what we call bile ducts. And bile ducts are how the bile flows from the liver to the gallbladder. So the bile will make its way. It will go to the gallbladder and it will sit there in storage until it needs to be used. So in the bile are those toxins and now it's sitting in the gallbladder. And when you have a meal that contains fat, so let's say you have eggs and avocado toast, that is a fatty meal. Your body will secrete a hormone um, called CCK, cholecystokinin, and that will cause the gallbladder to contract. 
and the gallbladder will release bile into the small intestine. It will start to break down the fats. Um, that is the bile's second most important role is that it breaks down fats that we consume. Our body will absorb the fats that we need. Bile will make its way through the rest of the small intestine, through the large intestine. And then, as I mentioned, right before you have a bowel movement, it is going to recycle because again, it's a very expensive process in our body. So there's kind of a twofold to that too, because yes, the toxins are going to get recycled, right? Whatever toxins weren't able to leave through the bowel movement, it does go back. Um, so that is important. That's why you want to have freely flowing bile. Um, so all of that to say, in order to support your liver and your gallbladder, you want to make sure you're eating good, healthy fats on a regular basis. Your bile is made from fat. And yes, it is also used to break down fat. So it's kind of just this cyclical cycle. Um, so really good, healthy fats. I prefer, you know, avocados are great, but I always encourage people to be eating a lot of animal fats. Um, saturated fats are really ideal for optimal biofunction. So thinking, you know, eggs, um, grass-fed meats, chicken, turkey, fish, all of that really, really good and healthy fats. Um, in order to support your liver, there's a lot of things that you can do, but, um, as you mentioned, the liver doesn't work alone. So, you know, think different things that you can do to support it are certainly number one is stay hydrated. Number two is definitely to make sure that you are reducing your toxicity load as much as you can. So really making sure you're cleaning up, you know, home products that you're using for cleaning your house, laundry products, skincare, makeup. It is overwhelming at first for sure, but it does make a difference. Um, so really, really focusing on that, minimizing that load. Um, and then also you can certainly consume um, different foods to support the liver. So beets, beet juice, cruciferous veggies, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels. Um, cilantro is an excellent, excellent, excellent nutrient for the liver. It also has the capability to remove heavy metals and broccoli sprouts are also very, very powerful. So all of those things will support that liver and gallbladder pathway. Um, right above that, you have the skin, the kidneys, and the lungs. So same thing with the kidneys, definitely make sure that you're staying really hydrated using that sea salt. Um, supporting the liver a lot is going to optimize kidney function. Um, if your liver does become stagnant, that's when your kidneys are going to try and take some of that work off of the liver. That's not really what they're designed to do. So yes, they do filter toxins from the urine, but it's not meant to filter toxins from the liver. So Want to make sure you're supporting the liver that will support the kidneys. Um, for the lungs, you know, obviously cardiovascular movement is really important. Um, making sure that you're also doing some very good deep belly breathing. So diaphragmatic breathing is really important. Um, any type of prayer or meditation, you know, that's going to help the lungs. Uh, but really focusing on breathing with the belly instead of just, you know, expanding and relaxing the lung cavity, that's going to be beneficial. Um, and then for the skin, you know, what really the biggest thing for the skin, honestly, is opening the liver gallbladder pathway. If that pathway is stagnant, there's an emergency hatch that will open up and dump toxins into the skin. So you really want to make sure for healthy skin, you got to have good, healthy liver and gallbladder function. Um, but fats are also ideal for the skin. So really good saturated omega-3 fats are awesome as well. Um, fats are what give our skin elasticity. It also prevents wrinkles. So it is going to help you look nice and supple and full. Um, they're really, really, really great for the skin. But biggest thing that I see is healthy gut, healthy liver, gallbladder. You're going to have really good looking skin. 
Um, right above that is going to be the lymphatic pathway. And so the lymph, my favorite, favorite thing to do to move it is rebounding. So jumping on a trampoline daily, um, anywhere from three to five minutes is a good goal. Um, you cannot just jump rope or just jump on the ground. That's not the same. Um, I do always recommend you need to pass through the earth, essentially. You have to have that fluid moving both all the way down through the earth and then come all the way back up. Um, inversions are also really beneficial as well. So going upside down in a headstand, handstand, forearm stand, you know, four to five times in a row, holding it 30 seconds, 45 seconds, coming back down and repeating is a really, really great option too. If you have an inversion table, that's fine as well. Um, and then also you can do dry brushing and gua sha. So gua sha is an ancient Japanese technique that you use for your face and neck. And that's a great way to drain the lymphatic fluid in the facial structure. Um, and dry brushing really is for the entire body. So there are lots of different, you know, you can just pop on YouTube if you're not sure what either of those things are, just type that in. Um, and there's some really good videos on that. But those are all really, really supportive for the lymph. You can also do lymphatic massage. So you can get that done or you can watch a YouTube and do some on yourself. Um, but your lymph is super important um, because you definitely, unfortunately, does not again, it doesn't get pumped by an, an organ in your body. So it doesn't move on a daily basis. So you have to move it. Um, it's not like the, you know, your cardiovascular system or your heart is pumping. You have to physically move your lymphatic fluid. So very, very important that we move it every single day doing, you know, two or three of those things so that you make sure that, you know, it's open and clear. And then lastly, we end with our brain glymphatic system. And so the glymphatic system is actually a recent discovery. Um, it was recently discovered in 2012. And what's really cool is basically they found that there are lymphatic vessels inside the brain. And so, as I mentioned earlier, the lymph, you know, primary role is to grab toxins, um, precancerous, you know, damaged cells and get it out of the body. So what's really great is that we do have that same system in our brain. So as you sleep, specifically when you are in REM sleep, that is when that glymphatic system goes to work. It does not work during the day because obviously we're processing content, we're thinking, we're doing things. It has to work when you are at rest. So as long as you're sleeping, I say right around seven to eight hours a night and you're getting into REM sleep, then ideally your glymphatic pathway is working for you. So the biggest thing for that one is just try and sleep. <laughs> so make sure you're sleeping seven to eight hours a night is, is a good goal. Um, those were lots of different tips, but those are all the things I recommend to my clients. So I hope that was helpful. Yeah, that is super helpful. And I really love that you have, you know, really tangible sort of action steps from each of those. And, you know, as you mentioned as well, it is a funnel and you can prioritize. So just pick where to get started and maybe you just start with the colon and focusing on um, hydration and fiber and a few of these things. And I know it can seem overwhelming when we offer lots of different tips to go with, but for anyone listening, you can just pick one thing and put that into practice and build on that over time. You don't have to do everything at once not have to do everything at once. No, that, that is a great, yeah, that's a great, great point for sure. Um, but yeah, definitely. And it depends what you're struggling with too, you know, as you just mentioned, you know, so if you're struggling with more lymphatic backup, then yeah, focus on that and rebound, you know, get, get that in daily. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's really helpful. So let's move on to chatting about parasites now, because this is such a fascinating topic. So first up, what are parasites and what are some of the common parasites that you see most often? Yeah, so there are three different kinds of parasites. And so parasites are exactly that. It's just a living organism that is using you as a host to feed off of for its survival. So there are three common types. Um, There are exoparasites, which are parasites that live outside of the body. And that would be um, something like a tick, a mosquito, a flea, or a fly. Um, And then there are two main types of internal parasites, which are helmets, and those are the worms. And then there are protozoa, and those are microscopic parasites. So those are the three main categories that we see. Um, Honestly, I see all of them, right? A lot of people are obviously bitten by mosquitoes and ticks um, here in the States. And, you know, they're all, all three of them are common. So I pretty much see parasites um, from all three of those categories. There's not really one more than the other. Um, Most people do present with both microscopic and worm parasites. Um, It really just kind of depends where your exposure came from. But yeah, I do see all three. You know, obviously, if you were bit by a mosquito or a tick, that's where you're likely you can definitely get a microscopic parasite from either of those along with some bacteria as well. So they are all three very, very common it's just, you know, a natural part of being alive, I would say. <laughs> yeah. So how do we get exposed to these parasites? I know there's lots of different ways and these are things that, you know, many of us are doing on a frequent or regular basis, but what, what does that look like? You know, having that exposure. Yeah. So parasites are very common. So for, all right. So I'll list off just, there's a lot of different ways, but The most common are definitely contaminated food or water. Um, So ingesting that, just simply walking barefoot on soil. Soil is also a common way. Um, If you are swimming in a river, lake, stream, even swimming pools, hot tubs, you can get exposed that way. Um, Also from pets. So if you are a person that allows a pet to lick your face, your mouth, Um, you know, giving kisses, if they're sleeping in the bed with you, those are all very, very, very easy ways of exposure. If you work on a farm, if you are a vet, if you're working with animals of any kind, that's also going to increase your risk of exposure. Um, If you're eating any type of undercooked or raw meat or fish, um, so, you know, beef carpaccio or sushi, you know, even ceviche, things like that, that's going to also open that door. Um, Also from other people. So certain intracellular parasites can be spread sexually um, through sexual contact. Obviously it would have to be, you know, not using protection. Um, Certain parasites can also be passed through utero. Um, There's also parasites that can be breathed. Um, and through the air. So such as pinworms, Um, pinworm eggs are microscopic and simply you can actually just inhale and they can get into your body. Um, You can also touch contaminated surfaces, toys, touching, you know, another person's hand. Let's say that they went to the bathroom and they did not wash their hands after, and they were dealing with parasites, certain eggs, as I mentioned, can attach that way and can expose you as well. 
So those are definitely the most common. It's a lot. People get very overwhelmed when they hear that list because it's, you know, pretty much you're doing one or, <laughs> or four of those things and, you know, increasing your risk, but it is, yeah, it's a very, very, very common, truly. Yeah. The breathing one. <laughs> That's breathing, alarming, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, most people do know the pinworms affect children the most. So most people do know in their home, you know, when their kids have those and that's where you just got to do like a big overhaul in the house for sure. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's not, I honestly do not, I don't deal with a lot of pinworms. That is true. I haven't had, I don't know if I've even had one client out of the almost 300. That's a, that's a rare one for me, but I also don't do a lot of work with children. So what are some of the common signs and symptoms that someone may have a parasite? So some common signs and symptoms are insomnia. If you are craving sugar, like ravenously craving sugar. Um, If you have an itchy anus, that's a really, really big one. If you are grinding your teeth at night, um, struggling with TMJ, those are really, really big, obvious ones. Any type of chronic skin issues. So whether it's acne, eczema, eczema is definitely a big one. Um, even psoriasis, you know, those things too, I would, I would definitely think parasites for sure. Um, if you are also struggling with infertility, that is definitely, you know, a point where you would want to look at parasites. There's lots of different articles out there. Um, where that, you know, that has been linked as well. Again, because parasites can live in any organ in your body. So they can live in the tissues in the cells and in the space in between your cells, as well as the organs. Um, and then if you have dairy sensitivities, that is, that's a huge one, I would say. So any, you know, not being able to consume, and I should specify that cow, um, so cow dairy is, is a really big one. Um, and then if you're experiencing mood swings, anxiety was a huge one for me, um, random bouts of anger. So <laughs> mine was definitely always road rage and it would just be really like dumb things, you know, things that you just shouldn't get angry about. And I knew subconsciously, like I would react and then I would think that was weird. Like that was weird. Like I shouldn't have gotten upset about that. So it's almost where you can process it. You know, you know that something is off, but you're not sure why you're responding that way. So irritability, random bouts of anger, anxiety, um, even depression, you know, all of those, and that's a very large list, but all of those um, can be linked to, to parasitic infections. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how do people go about eradicating parasites? You know, what are the key considerations? And I know this is likely something that people probably <laughs> shouldn't do themselves at home. Yes. Definitely do not do that at home. Um, what you can say, yeah, I mean, obviously you'd want to work with a practitioner, but you can definitely start with antiparasitic foods. Um, so things like um, pumpkin seeds, papaya seeds, those are really, really, really good. You can either, so papaya seeds are tricky. They're very peppery. Um, so some people can have an aversion, you know, to, to wanting to chew that. You can swallow them. I have seen research on both ends that chewing and swallowing will both, will both work. Definitely need to chew the the pumpkin seeds for sure. And then my all-time favorite is reishi. So reishi mushroom, I drink um, here in the States, it's called King coffee, but it actually uses the reishi spores. And that is different than just the reishi, you know, the ground reishi mushroom. Um, But reishi is a huge antiparasitic. 
Um, and I do know that when, you know, I've had so many clients just start drinking the coffee and start passing either parasites or biofilm. Um, myself, I do coffee enemas with the King coffee and typically the next day, I almost always pass a parasite. And even though I'm not taking antiparasitics, um, it's, it's from that. It's very powerful. So I really like those three foods to start. Um, garlic is also really great. Um, you know, just some raw garlic, you would definitely want to chop it up. So leave it out for about five to 10 minutes. So those, um, enzymes can, can open up and break down. Um, but raw garlic is also really powerful. So those are kind of, you know, the three that I typically recommend, um, for, if you include the garlic there. Yeah. I love that. That's really helpful. And then again, if you're going to embark on any of this, it really does come back to drainage again, right? As, yeah, it does come back to making sure your drainage pathways have to be, you know, completely open for, you know, 30 to 45 days. You definitely would not want to go into a parasite protocol if you're not pooping. I mean, that's just a no brainer. You can't do that. Those toxins are going to recirculate. I think what we forget is that when we're killing, you know, parasites, when we die, when animals die, you know, everything releases toxins. I mean, that's just, you know, the, the way that it goes. And so if you're killing parasites, you definitely need to make sure that you are, you know, have those drainage pathways open. So those toxins can, can get released. You don't want them to recirculate. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned just briefly there, uh, you know, about passing parasites, but I would love you to share what people can expect when it comes to (laughs) passing parasites. And I know you have some funny reels and that sort of thing about this on your Instagram as well. I do. So yeah, well, there's nothing off, off limits when you're passing parasites. Um, you know, honestly, most of the time you don't really know that you're passing it. Like you're not going to essentially feel it, um, coming out, you know, the butt until, until you look, you know, in the toilet and some people see it, some people don't. Um, so again, if you have an intracellular parasite, you're not going to see those they're microscopic. However, those worms. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a a large possibility. You're going to see that in the toilet. Um, most people, I would say when they start a parasite protocol, have a little bit of fatigue, um, feeling a little bit tired, but for the most part, people do well with it. It's not, you know, and again, they're already going through drainage. So it's not a big, a big thing for them. You would certainly have more frequent bowel movements um, because you are, you know, killing off these things and getting them out of your body. And most people also experience just a slight cramping sensation and then the need to have a bowel movement afterwards. So it's not diarrhea, nothing like that, but it's just, oh, you know, something's going on down there. Um, I'm, you know, getting ready to pass it. But yeah, a lot of people will see parasites. I have, you know, lots of, lots of pictures. Um, on my Instagram. And I think it's just good. It's further confirmation that the protocol's working and that your body is doing its job and getting those things out. Yeah, that's exactly right. To have that sort of, you know, confirmation for people who, you know, some people really appreciate that, obviously. So, um, you know, that's just some, some, you know, validation and confirmation that, that what they're doing is, is working, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. It's always good. You definitely want confirmation that that it's working for sure. Yeah, exactly. So that's really wrapping up a lot of the pieces of drainage and parasites that I think people really need to know about. But do you have any final pieces of advice to share or any, you know, tips or information that you think you'd like to add? Um, I would just say, yeah, for anybody listening, like really focus on drainage, you know, that is just my one, one tip because it is missed 
um, by everyone that I see. So just, again, you don't have to do all of those things that I listed off, just follow one of them, you know, even implement one to two things. And that can be a game changer for you, but really, really focusing on opening those drainage pathways and also always think in your mind, you know, progress, not perfection. It's not about being perfect. It's not about nailing down, you know, all 15 of those things that I mentioned. It's just taking baby steps every day. You know, that's going to lead to big results. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. So Danielle, where is the best place for people to find you and follow along with you and learn more from you? Yeah. So right now you can find me at Instagram. It's revive underscore health and then underscore wellness. Um, you can also connect with us on my website, which is just revive hw.com. I am on Facebook, but honestly, I don't really use it anymore. So <laughs> I'm not gonna, <laughs> not gonna put that out there, but yeah, definitely Instagram is my main platform. Um, and, and the website for sure. So both of those two places you can hop over and say hello. Awesome. Thank you so much. And yes, definitely recommend that everyone goes and checks out Danielle's Instagram. It's like lots of helpful info and definitely a few funny reels on there as well. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here and sharing all of this awesome information with us. I've definitely learned a lot and I'm sure everyone listening has as well. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Fran. It was so good being here. Appreciate you. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the High Vibe and Healthy podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to chat with me about how we can work together to reach your health goals, head to frandargaville.com. To connect with me day to day, Instagram is the place to be. Follow me via my handle at frandargaville. And finally, please note that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not considered to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment.